I'm going to share today on the subject of hope, and um, maybe in a different way than we've talked about it before, but about hope and hope's place in the Christian life. And um, it's important to know what hope is and know how to work with hope and where it comes from and all these different things. It has a, a very needful place in the believer's life. And the believer must respond appropriately to hope. And hope by itself, um, you know, just doesn't do it. The Bible even said this, hope deferred makes the heart sick. In other words, if you don't have hope or you have hope but it doesn't come to pass, in other words, that hope you have, he said it will make the heart sick. What does that mean? In other words, you have a hope. What is a hope? It's an expectation. And what happens if it's deferred or it doesn't come to pass? It said it will make the heart sick. So what can we do to make hope come to pass? Do I have a part to play in making hope happen? It's an interesting thought. Because if hope comes from God or we find out some things about hope, and what is hope? Hope literally is just a, a good expectation. Hope is not like, you know, you want to go out to lunch today? I hope I can make it. And then you sit at the restaurant and he said he hoped. So that meant maybe, maybe not. That's not a Bible hope. A Bible hope is completely different than that. It is a confident expectation. And, and hope is something that we need to respond to. And that's really important because do we get hope at different times from God? And if the Bible said hope deferred or stopped or paused or put aside makes the heart sick, if the heart is made sick by it not coming to pass, what is the heart? It's the real deep part of your will. You know, the Bible talks about people losing heart, giving up hope. And when, you, when, when something that seems positive doesn't come to pass, you can get discouraged inside. And the Bible warns us about not casting away our confidence. For it has a great recompense of reward. And there's different things like that in the Bible. But is there a response we're supposed to have toward hope, this expectation from God, that then would make it come to pass in your life? And so here in Romans 15, we'll begin reading in verse 13. It says this, Now may the God of hope, the God of hope, or you could say this, the God who gives a good expectation about life, the future, how it can be. The God of hope. Notice this, fill you with all joy and peace in believing. He fills you with hope, but then you get filled with joy and peace when you believe or believe in it. And we as believers have an important role with our faith. And it says this, that you might abound in hope or expectation by the Holy Spirit or by the power of the Spirit. 
how are you going to get hope in your life for something good when it seems hopeless? How are you going to do that? Well, he said, when you start believing, you'll just start abounding in it. But what if I'm not even believing? Hope can still come to you. What will hope do? It will paint a picture for something good. And so if you'll skip up with me to verse 4, or go back to verse 4, in that same chapter, it says this, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning. In other words, the Scriptures were written so you could learn. That's an interesting thought. Because some people don't approach the Scripture to learn. They approach it to disprove, to challenge, not to learn. Or what they do, instead of learning, they approach it so they can gather stones to throw at somebody else who's arguing their point. We need to learn from the Scriptures. Well, notice what it says. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning. The Bible is supposed to learn you. You understand? You're not supposed to not like parts and like parts. You're, it's to learn you. It was written for your learning. So it could teach you. So you could learn. That means that really shows a submissive attitude to what it says. So notice he said it was written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of scriptures might have hope. Now when he talks about the patience and comfort of the scriptures, patience just means to stay the same. And we know his word does not change. So you could say it this way, that through the consistency or the sameness and comfort you get from the Word of God or from the Scripture, you might have hope or expectation. God, by His Spirit, is going to cause you or want you to abound in hope. And so what is hope? It's a positive expectation. Has God ever dealt with you about something that was really good in the future, but it was dark right now? God will do that in your life. He will help you in things. He will unveil things to you. I have had God deal with me about things, you know, and I don't always talk about this because then people look to you. And they start thinking, well, it's about you. Well, that happens for you. But it can happen for anybody. Because God is your God, not my God. He's not the God of the past, and He's not just the God of the future. He's your God now, if you've given your life to the Lord. And I know He deals with me sometimes about simple things and sometimes about big things. But I'll tell you what, He can help us in anything. I'm in the process of selling my home because I want to move closer to the church and, um, or this direction. And though I like where I live... Um, you know, you got to get things ready. Even though your house might be good, you just have to make some adjustments sometimes. You know, clean this a little better or do this. You know, you just kind of get it ready. And um, so right in the middle of this, my garage door stops working. Oh, cool. So 
no problem, I got to invest in it. And a new garage door opener, which is no big deal. And I'm thinking, but I don't have time to do this. Every day when it starts getting hot, it goes down about three quarters of the way or a quarter of the way, and then goes back up. Well, that's not real good. You know, if you're showing your home and you got to leave because somebody's going to come and you're wrestling with your garage door while they're showing up, hey, come on in, this is a great house. I have to pull the string because it won't go down by itself. And you can't just go sit in your garage in your car and lay the seat down the whole time they're there because you don't want the door to open and hide. You know, and you can't leave the car right. And uh, so I was like, I have to deal with this. And, 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 uh, and it happened like that till two or three hours after dark. Then when it would cool down, it changed. But at first when it happened, I was like, I got to deal with it now. So I went to send somebody a message to have them maybe hire them to do it. And when I did, on the inside, I went, ugh. I thought, what's up, Lord? And I knew inside, you don't need a garage door opener. You know, the whole thing. And you go to Home Depot, and, and it started working the next day, so I thought, it's solved, you know, it's solved. I didn't realize that was just the beginning. And, uh, you know, this has been going on for about a week now, week and a half. And I go to Home Depot, oh, yeah, your board could be gone, fried or something. And we've had this happen, and they have to put a new one in. I'd get out in the car and say, Lord, you dealt with me that it's not bad. So I'm not getting one, but it won't pass inspection like this. And he dealt with me. I knew it on the inside. He gave me hope that I didn't have to spend a few hundred bucks on a garage door, a couple hundred, a hundred, two hundred, and then spend money to hire somebody to do it. And um, so I said, Lord, you know everything, and you know more than these guys who are telling me it's this. And so I trust you. I've been down this road before. I mean, I even went to Home Depot, and another guy said, oh, this is what the problem is. Oh, well, you know, and different talk to different people. And I, I just said, Lord, there's something here. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to call the company that makes it. And they thought, well, it's a light, you know, at sundown, hits the beam. I said, no, because it happens two or three hours after dark. So they looked up all this stuff. He said, you know what, all you have to do is take the cover off. And there's some settings that make the door go down harder if it feels it's moving fast or it binds because of the heat. Just turn it. 10 degrees, like, just go up in there, take this off, you'll find it. I turned it like a clock arm, 10 degrees. That thing started working. You can't jump and shout while you're on a ladder. And so I was like, I'll test it again. I mean, it's like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And, but here's the thing. God gave me hope in a simple thing. He had a solution. And, but the experts had a different solution. He can give us hope through the scriptures. He can give us hope out of, by his spirit. And what is hope? It's painting a good picture of the future when it might be bleak or something's not exactly right. That's when you need help. It's amazing to me how many people don't realize, like when the Bible talks about walking in love, when they don't have to forgive and act in love, they're like all about love. They don't realize it's when you need to use it, that's when 
you ha- that's when you have it for, not when you just read the scripture and go, woo, love. And then it's your turn to forgive, and you're like, whatever. You out there? And so the same thing with hope. When you need it is when you need it, when it's not the best of situations. But there's a part that we have to play in it. So notice this in this verse. Script, from the scripture, we have hope. We have hope. Notice this. This is a familiar verse to most people, especially if you shop at one of those uh, Bed Bath & Beyond type places. Turn to Hebrews 11. You know, I've seen this scripture written a number of times on little placards where you don't even have to go to the Christian bookstore, but this at Christian bookstores. You can go to, like, Walmart, and you can find this on placards, you know, to hang in your bathroom or whatever. And I don't know why you'd put it in your bathroom. But anyway, just just saying, <laughs> I need hope. I need faith. Go into the bathroom. I don't know, you put it in your living room. I don't know. Hebrews 11, 1. An interesting verse, it says, now faith, so he's talking about faith, now faith is the substance of things, notice this, hoped for. Hope has to find its place in your life, what for? So you can connect your faith to it. Now faith, one, one Bible teacher I heard say it this way, faith gives substance to what we hope for, or faith is giving substance. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. We need hope for our faith to give substance to. If I don't have a positive expectation about anything, what can my faith expect? What can my faith bring to pass? If, if there is no promise of eternal life, there is no hope for man. But if there is a promise of eternal life, then man can put their faith in that hope that they can receive it and be saved. Every scripture that is a promise and says something brings hope to you. In other words, God will supply all your needs. You go, He will? He will. According to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. What does that produce in you? Hope. What is my response to hope? Putting my faith in it. So in other words, just because I read Scripture, I have to put my faith in it so that that hope that is real can come to pass in my life. I have to believe that if he said he loves me, then I go, wow, that's cool. But if I have all these wrong thoughts and thinking, well, I'm just not perfect, I'm a dummy, I'm this, I'm that, then what I'm doing is putting my faith in me being a dummy Instead of putting my faith in the fact that he said he loved me, which gave me hope for a minute until I identified with myself, then I put my trust back in how I feel and what I think of myself instead of what he said. Faith gives substance or makes hope that comes from God. It makes it come to pass. In other words, you can hear a message that life can change for you no matter what you're facing. And then you hear scriptures that say, by his stripes you were healed, he's paid for this, or he wants you, you know, to live victorious. Well, then it brings hope, but you're like, I'm not seeing it come to pass. That's your response to his hope that he gives you or his expectation. 
And so when he says here, now faith is the substance or the assurance of things you hope for. In other words, if I will trust in what God says, that's where I find my hope. If I'll trust in what he said and forget about everything else and believe that what he said is true and take it as mine, then my faith is in his hope. It's in his promise. And when I put my faith there and believe it's mine, then it can give substance or make it come to pass in my life. What I want to do before we go today is look at a couple of people in the Bible who did this exact thing. Actually, maybe look at more. As a matter of fact, if you want to be honest about it, he's teaching about people here who were giving up or had a chance to give up hope here in Hebrews. They had been pressured and to quit and turn away from the Lord and stop doing what he wanted. And he talked about not casting away your confidence or getting rid of your hope. And then he talked about how faith, you know, is to believe in this hope. And he talks about having a hope in heaven. He was basically telling them, don't you reject Christ. You won't have that hope in heaven. And so he's telling them, you know, what to do. To trust in the hope. Trust in the things that I've said. Trust in what I've told you. Because when I tell you that, it's for hope, for expectation, so you can have something that looks good and not just see it out here, but see it in your life. And it's interesting, he gives this right here, and then he goes through and talks about people who didn't have hope. I mean, did Abraham have hope when he had to leave his land and there was enemy armies possessing the land he was going to? And God said, that's yours. Oh, really? So what did he have to do with those enemy armies there? God said, go out. And he went out by faith. In other words, God gave him a promise. It brought him hope. He said, I've got a land. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going by faith. I'm trusting in what he said, and I'm going to act, and I'm going to believe his, his word to me. And he started acting it. So it says, by faith, he did these things. He obeyed. Well, how, why did he, what did he obey? What God had said. What did God say to him, this is yours, this is for you, and there's enemies. So it gave him hope of a great possession, but he had to obey. What about Noah? You go keep reading on, or you back up, actually. Noah's there. The whole earth is going to be destroyed. There's no hope. God gave Noah hope. He said, listen, build an ark. I'm going to use you. Here's what you need to do. And so what did that do for Noah? It brought hope to him. He thought everybody's going to die. But then his hope was to be spread to everybody. Because he said, you know, basically he was called a preacher of righteousness for 120 years while he built the ark. He told people, you can get on the ark. You, you can follow after. But they made fun. They lived their own way. They didn't do it. They didn't believe in the hope he was giving. And the hope he was giving was not his own hope. It was a hope that was from God. And God was giving him the way of escape, but he wasn't trust. They weren't trusting in it, but he did trust. And what did his trust look like? It was actions in line with what the Lord had said. And so he started building this ark, even though he had not seen anything. It said, so by faith, what did he do? He put his faith in this hope. What hope? that God would deliver him when the storm came. 
In other words, he, he would, if he did what he said, God would preserve his life and preserve humanity and preserve the animals and anybody who would get in the ark. But instead, people didn't trust in the hope that was given. They said, nah, we're going to keep partying. We're going to keep doing our thing. We're not going to act on this. In other words, humanity has to put their faith in God's hope, in what he says. You out there? And, and so here, these people, if you read, Sarah couldn't have a baby. She, she was barren. And God spoke to her and said, you're going to have a child. So hope came. And you know what she did at first? Laughed at him. <laughs> right. She didn't put her faith in it. She didn't trust in the hope that he was giving, even though he had promised it before. And finally, she somewhere along the line started trusting in that expectation that God had. And then she received strength in her body, and then she produced a child when she couldn't. It was her response to what the Lord had said. And what did the Lord say? He gave her a good, bright-looking future. Just because he spoke it didn't mean it was automatic. But when she put her trust, that's why it's interesting if you read, by faith, Enoch, by faith, Noah, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Abraham dwelt, by faith, Sarah herself received, verse 11. And you notice, you just keep going through and you'll just see again and again. By faith, Abraham, verse 17. Uh, verse 20, by faith, Isaac. Well, what did they do? They heard, they knew direction from God, and then they acted on it. How did Moses, why did he reject walking in Pharaoh's house? Because God, he basically found out, I'm God's child. I am a deliverer. In other words, I am one that's supposed to deliver. So by faith, he forsook all that other because he had a brighter hope. I get to serve God. I get to live for God. I get to be used by God. I get to be one who God flows through and is going to deliver these people. So he had a promise, and he was told, even though he was living in another place that seemed just so wonderful and so good, I mean, he was at the top of his game, so to speak. I mean, he was high up. I mean, he's, you know, adopted into the family, so to speak, raised by Pharaoh's family and and But God, it said it came into his heart that he was to deliver the children of Israel. So he had a choice that day when hope came. In other words, a bright future. God wants to use me. God's choosing to use me. Wow. I could be a deliverer or I could stay here and live this way. And what's interesting, he put his faith in the hope, that great picture that was out there. And so what did he do? He said he forsook that land. He forsook that way. And he, and he didn't do everything exactly right at first, but he started recognizing, wait a minute, God has given me a word. That's how his faith came, and he acted on this faith. He acted on it. What was the word? It was hope for the future, for a different way of life, not serving the secular world, not serving this king who's worships these other gods and living in his house. God's going to benefit me if I will trust in what he said. What he said gave him hope. This is how your life is going to be. This is what I have destined for you. But what was his response? 
would he obey it? So he had to put his faith, which is really seen by how we act, in the hope that came from God. I mean, we have hope for answered prayer, right? It's when we trust in that hope and believe that it's ours that it comes to pass. So let's turn to Acts 27. No, let's turn to um, Romans 4. We must respond to his hope. Faith comes by the Scriptures, but hope comes by the Scripture. And so we see here in Romans 4, a real helpless situation has arisen. But there have been promises of this, this hope of a better way. A better way. It could be a better way. And it's interesting what, what's written here. Um, I don't know how far back I'm going to go, but Romans, the fourth chapter, I believe I'll read in the 16th verse and start and read through a little bit. Abraham here has been obeying. He's gone out of the land. He, based on God's word of a better land ahead, you know, that good picture, that hope that was out there, he acted in faith. But part of the promise or another part of it was you're going to have a child. And uh, it wasn't coming to pass. And, and, uh, but the interesting thing is, is it wasn't coming to pass, but God wanted it to come to pass. What did he do to make it come to pass? It, it, was it all God who promised who makes it come to pass? Or does man have a part to play in making things come to pass? And is it just our begging or what is it? Uh, in other words, we have to have hope. Because if we don't have hope, uh, and where does hope come from? It comes from the Lord. If I don't have hope, a, a, a glorious picture of something, in other words, what he's bought, what he's paid for, what he's got, what he wants for me, if I don't have that picture, then I can't put my faith to it. In other words, trust it, believe it, act in line, accept it as so. And so God gives hope. And he had told Abraham, listen, I'm going to make you this. And the interesting thing, we're going to read this, is God says stuff when it does not look pretty. And he says it in a way like, it's so. Isn't it interesting? The Bible said God has already delivered us from the power of the devil and has already transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. And how many people are trying to get delivered? Because they're not putting their trust in that expectation or that truth he said. And so they're always trying to get and they don't receive. Because that's how you don't receive. You don't receive that way. It's interesting, you've got to believe it is yours before you see it. And what is it you're believing you have before? Whatever he said. 
If he said he's made me influential to the world, I have to believe that now, and it will come to pass. If he says he's made me the head and not the tail, then I don't rejoice when I see myself winning. I believe what he said because he painted a picture, and in that picture, it gives me hope. But he says it in a different way. He calls those things that be not as though they are. He just didn't say someday over the rainbow. He says stuff like, I have delivered you. I have quickened you. I do lead you. I do guide you. I have already paid a price. I became poor that you might have a full supply. All these different things, he calls them right into now. Then what do I have to do? I have to put my trust in it. It's interesting, right in the middle of this problem, Abraham got himself out of it. Somebody said, well, isn't it God who gets you out? Here's the thing. God does his part. Don't worry about him. But you have to do your part. You know, if you are going to act on the word, then you'll be blessed, the Bible said. And so we do our part, and God will always fulfill his part. If it's not somewhere I have not... In other words, if, if God didn't, then it's on me, not him. God, why aren't you doing this? Somewhere I am not doing it or making the connection. And that's why sometimes people say, well, I had this promise. I thought it would just happen. Let's look at this. Abraham has this promise that he's going to have all these kids. He's well old. His wife's well old. She can't have it. But God gives him a word and said, hey, you're a father of many nations. Huh. Really? Notice this. Verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith. 16. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace or according to what he bought, what he paid for, so that the promise might be sure to all. So it's our faith in what he's provided and but we're going to see something here about hope. So it's sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law or who work for it, but those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Notice verse 17. As it is written, this is a promise. This is the promise God gave to Abraham when he was in a situation that was not looking good. He had this promise. Notice, he said, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He said, I've already made you this. In my mind, it's so. As a matter of fact, when the children of Israel came up to possess the promised land, he said, it is already yours. And, the, and he said, and you can go get it. And they said, we're not able, we can't do it. They didn't put their faith in that beautiful picture of hope that God gave them of a good future and believe it was theirs and act on it. Notice this. This man did. That he might be made the father of many nations. Notice, as it is written, I have made you a father or a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. In other words, he got a promise that painted this beautiful picture and Abraham believed it or believed in God. Notice, in whom he believed, he believed in God. We all believe in God, for the most part. 
right? But he believed in God, but then God gave him a promise. So he had to take his faith further than I just believe in him. Because in fellowship with God, God is going to give you some good-looking pictures of life and how things can be. And we believe in God, and he believed in God, but God gave him a promise. God gave him a message. And so it said, in the presence of him whom he believed, God, or even God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. In other words, he'll say some stuff that doesn't exist, but he'll say it like it does, like I've already healed you. I've already delivered you, right? Because the Bible said, by his stripes you were healed. But how many people don't see it that way and they're still trying? So they're putting their faith in something that God has not even told them to put their faith in. You have to put your faith in the fact that he, you know, he's already provided and you put your faith in the fact that I believe I've got it. When do you believe you have it? Right now. You know, Matthew 21, 21 and 22, teaching about faith and prayer. He said, in all things, when you pray, believing, you will receive. Believing is the key to having. If you believe, it's yours. But what is it you're believing? It's that picture of hope that he gives you by Scripture. You believe it's yours. Notice this. It says, and these things, he spoke these things that do not exist as though they did. Verse 18, who contrary to hope, this is Abraham now, in hope he believed. In other words, there were two pictures. There was contrary to, to worldly expectations, right? If he went to a doctor, the wife cannot have a baby. So he's lost hope there, and against hope, he believed in hope, it says. Well, he couldn't believe in that hope or what they said because they took it away. You're too old. Science took it away. Humanity took it away. You're, you're, not, you're just too old. You can't do that. Nobody can do that. But God gave a message and said, this is how it is. So he put his faith in that hope because the world's hope had disappeared on him. And what does it mean he put his faith in that hope? He believed what God said was so now. Notice, it says, who contrary to hope or worldly hope, in hope, that was the hope that came from God, that promise. He believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. In other words, he put his faith in these promises, believed they were so, and they came to pass. And if you read on, it says, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise. You could say it this way. He didn't waver at the hope God set. And what was the thing that would make him waver? He would go away from believing what God said is so in fact now to saying, but I feel like this, my body looks like this, I poked my wife the other day in the arm, and she still feels old. Man, he got rid of the natural hope because it was gone. So he could have either just lived a hopeless life and just progressed forward, or he could, and, or he could instead of having his hope in it, because people have their hope or faith in natural hope. 
when science and everything says no and you can't because you're uneducated? I know this, God does stuff, and I'll pick that thought back up, but science in the world and different wrong thinking will try to eliminate hope for you. God will try to get it back, but then you have to put your faith in it instead of in the other hope that is now dispensed and gone. And if it's gone, then, you know, because you know, a lot of people have their, their faith in the hope of our government, what they can do for us. And if it fails, they have nothing left. Well, then they're going to have to get a divine hope that comes from God of a glorious future and picture, and then they're going to have to trust that it's so now and believe that God said it and it's theirs. So it's a coming away from one to the other. I remember this one girl. Um, when I was a youth pastor, um, she had had an abortion. And um, nobody was real pleased about it and um, because of different circumstances, because it was wrong for one, but there were other things. And some people were kind of a little hard on her, so to speak. She had done something that was not appropriate, not right. She had missed church for a few weeks. She's a teenager. She's 18 now, I think. She just turned 18, 17 and going on 18. And... Uh, in the process, I think she turned maybe 18. She was right around there, and she came to the youth service, and then and I was doing it, and then she uh, was there during the service, and the power of God came on me, and I called her out. I had a word for her from God. And I've already heard all these other voices, and I'm thinking, God, are you going to, like, correct her? I just knew inside this is it. You know, he, I got something for her. And I'm thinking, well, is he going to say, straighten up? And I called her up, and she stood right in front of me, and then the word of the Lord came to me. And I heard these words. It just started coming up, and I prayed, and I said, you know, I have this for you. Don't be bothered. I have this for you. It's yours. I didn't know what it was. Don't be concerned about your age because everyone's older. Don't be concerned about your education. And just started going through all this stuff. I didn't realize she had gone on a whim, so to speak. Well, more than a whim. There was a police dispatcher position, and she had prayed and thought, God, I need work. I'm going to apply for this. You have to have a degree. They want somebody to be a certain age, so you've gone through pressured situations. Everything I had prayed about was basically what they told her you have to have, and you're not. And I said, and God says, it's yours. And she just started bawling. I didn't know she had gone. I didn't know each thing I stated by God was something that they were saying were requirements. She said, I knew on the inside, the minute you said it, those things, God's giving me this job. And she just started crying. Now, here's somebody in the rest of the world's eyes doesn't deserve this because she had an abortion. 
And she put her trust in what God said to her. And that week, I think it might have been two days later, the police chief of that city called because he made the final decision on it. He said, I need you to come down here. He called her into his office and had this appointment. He said, I don't know why I'm doing this. And he reiterated everything I prayed. You're not old enough. All the people are in their 30s and older. All of them have a background in law and this stuff. They all have a degree. You don't have a degree. You have no experience. You're this age. He said, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm going to give you the job. Where did she get that hope before? God gave it to her beforehand. She believed in it. And guess what? It came to pass. She was the youngest police dispatcher. She was the youngest police dispatcher, an 18-year-old in Southern California dispatching police. No degree, not old enough, no experience. But what did Abraham do against hope? From the natural, no hope. But from God's standpoint, hope. God can give you hope by dealing with you in your heart, or he can give it to you out of his word. They both come by the Spirit. And so what happened here? He's, he, verse 19, it says, And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body or the circumstances, already, you know, his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old. 99 is about 100. Or the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God, verse 20, through unbelief, but was strengthened in his faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced. He got convinced in the picture God gave and the hope he gave that produced faith in his heart, and he released his faith in it. What he had promised, he was also able to perform. Sometimes we're so convinced of what the world has said and that it has to be according to the world's ways. You know, if this happens, then this will happen, then this will happen, and this will happen. And that robs us of divine hope, but it's their hope. You know, this is their way. And many times people have their faith in that. And they go, well, this is next, this is next, this is next, and then this will happen. Then they'll come take your keys, and away you go. You don't got a car. You got a shopping cart. And what people don't realize is you have to put your trust in something, and we are all the time. Sometimes we're putting it in the science of man. And when I say the science of man, you understand how science works for the most part. Real sciences, they evaluate things and go, oh, well, this produced this, so this is this. In other words, it's more like a math equation. What God says many times can be against science. You out there? Science, as we know it in schools, has left its foundation, and now they just add stuff to make it all try to connect instead of being honest and saying some of it doesn't connect. And then they come up with the ideas of evolution and all this kind of stuff. But thank God we can put our hope in what's right. God gives hope. And so here, he didn't waver at the promise of God. He was fully convinced that God's picture so what does that mean? When he was challenged in his core to give up hoping in God or this hope God gave, he stayed with what God said. 
and he didn't allow himself to be entertained by the wrong. And he said, this is how it is. Let's close here with this verse, these set of scriptures in Acts 20. This is somebody else, uh, Acts 27. <clears throat> Notice this, someone else who lost hope. In, and what's interesting is when you read Hebrews 11, a lot of them had not very hopeful situations. But everyone, by putting their faith in God and what he said, and uh, got delivered. I mean from being killed by lions to walls that should not fall. Because science will tell you walls can't fall if you march around them and then shout on the seventh day. But he, they put their faith in what God said, the hope he gave, that if you do this and act on it, that was their faith, and it came to pass. Jericho's walls fell, and Israel still possesses the land today, though they were dispersed because they didn't receive Christ. But we know at the end of time, before his second coming, they'll come back, and they sure did. And so, but that's a different subject. Verse 20 of the 27th chapter. Paul is in a ship. He had warned these people, don't go this way, don't do this. And they just rebelled and just went their own way. I'm so glad God helped them. Verse 20, it said they're in the middle of a storm. The ship is in trouble. It's, it's, it's going to be destroyed. Verse 20 says, Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. In other words, their natural means of escape is now they've given up hope in it. In other words, they let go of that hope. At some point, they were still holding on. We can make it. We could do it. We can make it. But it got so bad, they had to give up their hope in the natural course that they were taking that was outside of God. And they, they basically, they didn't have any direction and they're, a, they're adrift with no hope. They're all basically going, we're dead. Except for one man who was in fellowship with God. And it says in verse 21, they had all given up hope. But after long absten abstinence, Paul was gone from them. He had been somewhere else. From food, they, in other words, he, we know he had... There was a 10-day period here where he hadn't had food and he was praying or seeking God because God appeared to him and said, I've granted. That means he was asking. Notice this. But after a long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. He basically said, The problems you're having is because you disobeyed. But... He gave him hope. He said, now I urge you, verse 22, to take heart. In other words, get courage back. In other words, they had given up hope. He said, now I want you to take that back up. But they couldn't take it back up naturally because there was no natural hope because it, they're done for. He said... For there will be no loss of life. This is where hope starts. A promise. There will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. 
For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, this is where hope came to him again. Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted. That means he was petitioning and God gave him. Granted you all those who are sailing with you. Therefore, take heart, men. Notice this phrase. For I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. Where did he put his trust? He put it in the hope that came from God's word. They had it in circumstances. They surrendered their hope and said, there's, there's no more hope for us. And if that's all you're going to put your faith in is in circumstances, you will come to an end. If they look good and things look good, you'll be okay. But when it changes, you're going to be in trouble. And what happened to them was they all gave up hope. They surrendered their hope because it couldn't measure up anymore. But he got a promise from God. But he didn't just go, woo, I got a promise from God. I got a promise from God. Notice it brought hope. But notice what he said, sirs, I believe God. It will be exactly like God said it was. He put his faith in the hope that came from God. 